Welcome to the Money Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Moses the Mentor. And in this episode, I'm joined by Renee Wiley. She's a financial coach and the founder of Financial Fortitude, LLC. Renee has an inspiring story of achieving personal debt freedom, and she helped others do the same. She's also the author of a journey to financial fortitude. So let's explore her strategies for financial success. So listen in. All right, Renee, appreciate you joining the show. Uh, I always like to start the episode with getting to know you and your journey. So can you kind of let the audience know uh, your career journey or just your financial journey and what ultimately inspired you to start your company, Financial Fortitude? Yeah, absolutely. And um, thank you for having me on today. Um, But my journey is probably unique, which is why I like to tell my story. Um, I grew up pretty much low income in the city of Columbia, state of South Carolina. Um, My parents, um, neither of them ever completed their high school education. So the um, impetus was not really there for them to kind of help me matriculate through life as it related to my career. Um, Financially, you know, as a kid, you just kind of take on the behavior of your parents. So my mom was a saver. My dad was a spender. Right. But the one thing that they did have in common is that they struggled financially. And I think subconsciously, because I never grew up like with this, like at the forefront of my mind, but um, I think subconsciously, I just never wanted to be in the situation that they were in. So I did pick up from my mom, the saving part of the journey um, that I saw her and dad take. And I always applied that to my life. And so I've always just been averse to debt, period. Don't like it. Never liked when I had car payments. Never liked having to make any type of payments on anything. So whenever I can put myself in a situation to not to have to make monthly payments on something, I go for it. So um, so all in all, just kind of grew up low income and then just tried to change my behaviors as I came into my own and my own adult life to make sure that I set things up a little bit differently from for my family, my kids. So growing up in Columbia, South Carolina, what was your childhood like? Did you know that you were poor? Did you? Um, no, I didn't. And and that, that's just a, such a good question. I, I've never been without, you know, the, my, my necessities. So um, and I am I've encountered friends and other people who may have their water turned off, their electricity turned off, whatever, because of lack of bill payment. But because my mom was a saver. We never had that issue. Our phone was never even turned off, you know, when I was growing up. So it was always when it was time for dinner, we ate, you know, time for breakfast, we ate. Never knew that we were in a struggle. Now, I think what I did pick up on as a child is that I did not get to enjoy some of the um, more extracurricular things um, in life that that others may have, even like uh, school activities, we weren't on the, you know, volleyball team or these different extracurricular activities, partially because it required that we stay after school and someone would have to come pick us up. Neither of my parents owned a car, <laughs> so there was no one to pick me up from school for for after school activities. So we never, you know, joined clubs, but I knew my parents didn't have a car. So I knew not to even ask about being a part of a club or anything like that. Um, So 
because I ate every night. I had somewhere to lay my head every night. We never experienced being without electricity, food or anything like that. I'd never felt like, you know, I was poor, you know, um, but I, again, I did understand that I didn't get a lot of things that others got. You know, I didn't have the name brand shoes. You know, we, I never owned a pair of Nikes, you know, living with my mom as a kid, you know, um, that wasn't a thing. And I knew that other kids did have those things. How do you feel like those personal experiences growing up? How, how do you feel like that shaped the services that you offer? Um, it is like the main reason, right, that I offer the services in um, growing up that way and being able to accomplish what I've accomplished. Um, I know that your life circumstances don't have to define your current state. Um, so I knew um, that, you know, even though we didn't have much, you you know, that where they say you just make the best out of what you have. Right. And I think that's what I did. I, I never I never thought about what I could not do. Right. I only knew what I wanted to do and I just did it. Right. You know how some people let different things um dictate how they move or where they move. I'm not going to be able to do this based on my race, or I'm not going to be able to do this based on my um, social economic status. I never, those thoughts never even entered my mind. It was just, this is what I want to do. So I do it, right? So growing up like that and being able to accomplish what I have accomplished and seeing others in my community that grew up with me that did not maybe accomplish as much helped me to realize that patterns is a real thing. Right. And so yeah. I was like dead set on breaking that pattern for my family so that I could leave a better legacy um, for my children. And so seeing all of that growing up made me want to help other people to get out of debt, made me want to see other scholars go to college without coming out with thousands and thousands of dollars worth of hundreds of thousands sometimes worth of student loans. So that's what really inspired me and my journey and wanting to move forward with financial fortitude. That's a great answer. And, you know, a lot of times when you're doing, you know, things like that, you're going against the grain and you're not just falling in line. It, it could be really lonely. So did you have those times where, you know, you felt like maybe you should just turn the other cheek and maybe, you know, uh, splurge a little bit and not be so uh, uh, kind of conscious about spending, you know, because th those times when you're doing uh, things outside the masses, you know, it you start losing friends. You start maybe losing people that are close to you because they just you're not fun anymore. But you're <laughs> thinking about your future self. Like what experiences did you have with that? And do you still experience that today? Yeah, I think that. um Growing up, you know, just being a a saver, I guess, I don't feel like I experienced a lot of, you know, other kids or other people in my circle like, oh, you know, we're not going to deal with her. She's on a different path than us. Now, as an adult, I have questioned myself about who I talk to about my journey. Right. Because I don't feel like everybody would understand. Now, when I have speaking engagements, I kind of like look, you know, peruse the crowd, try to ask questions before I get started to kind of see where uh, the thought process might be with some individuals. 
But at the end of the day, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to tell my story no matter what. So I have to tell it, even if that means losing friends. I've never been a person that had like a whole lot of close friends anyways. My circle stays small. So losing friends, no. But um, I do sometimes, I pick up on vibes sometimes that people think, oh, she thinks she's better, that kind of thing. Because, you know, we may be talking about taking a trip somewhere and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do it big. And they're just like, everybody hasn't paid off their mortgage, you know, <laughs> or everybody doesn't have uh, their car paid off for a day, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, OK, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know that as one of your, your key uh, accomplishments as far as paying off your mortgage. And I think that's a, a excellent accomplishment. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. Did you have that as a goal when you first bought your home or is it okay, you got in there and you start noticing how much interest you were paying and you just really, you know, buckled down and paid it off. Like what was your thought process of uh, paying off your mortgage? Yeah. So remember, like I've never liked that and it doesn't matter what form it's in. Right. I just didn't like it. So whenever I have to pay anything, like I said, on a revolving basis monthly, I'm always trying to figure out in my mind, how can I do this faster? Right. How can I just get from under this debt? Um, So when I first purchased my home, um, I did the traditional 30 year, like every like not everybody else, um, but like a lot of people or what they try to sell you um, initially. So I did that. And then I took a class. Um, My um, sorority was actually uh, facilitating Financial Peace University, which is a class that uh, Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, created. So they facilitated the session and I started going to this class. And this was maybe... uh, I would have to say about 15 years ago because my son is 15 and I remember he was an infant um, when I was doing this class. And that class was really what I guess it like lit a fire. Right. Because I'm learning all of this new stuff and hearing all of these new things and so like I would come home and I would just go and tell my husband, hey, look, I learned this tonight. So I would just learn all of these different things about interests and all of that. So after learning more, you know, they say when you know better, you do better. So I was learning more. I refied my mortgage to a, um, from a 30 to a 15. And at the time, it was around that 2008 time frame when the bubble burst <laughs> and um The interest rates were so low at the time that going from a 30 to a 15 only increased my mortgage payments by just a few dollars a month. It wasn't anything major. Um, It was definitely something we could afford. Once I did that, went from the from the 30 to the 15. Now I'm like, okay, how can I pay it off in less than 15 even? Right. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And so uh, we got to a place where um, we had paid down so much debt because we really we started really kind of going really hard at our debt. Um, we started really aggressively paying off our debt. And once we got it all paid off, we started putting those funds towards our mortgage. So um, that 15 year mortgage, I ended up paying off in like eight years. I haven't paid off my mortgage, but but. Mm-hmm. 
as far as paying off all of my consumer debt, student loans, I use Dave Ramsey's uh, debt snowball. Yes. So, I, yeah, I'm very familiar with how it works. And, yeah, it, it can really give you that momentum and drive to do it. But over the course of that time, I'm sure you had to make some sacrifices. You know, maybe you tell me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know during my course of paying down my debt, you know, we didn't go on big vacations. We didn't have big birthdays. Uh, we didn't buy up a new wardrobe. But that short-term sacrifice for long-term gain, like how important that is on your quest for financial independence. Um, it's very important. If I could explain in one word, you know, how I was able to do this, it would be discipline, right? So again, like I've just um, never been the person that... Um, wanted a whole lot, you know, like even my cars, I keep my cars, my car that I'm driving now is a 2012, right? And I'm thinking about maybe getting a new car this year, like thinking about, I'm not certain, but I'm kind of afraid that now that I have over 200,000 miles on it, it might not last me as long as I want to. So I've just, I've never been one that, you know, had to have, and I think this comes from my upbringing because I couldn't have, um, I got used to just not having, right? Um, not having, you know, the name brand purses and shoes and all that stuff. I, I just want to look nice, right? And so it doesn't matter what name is stamped on it. Um so I think doing that and being able to do that made it a little less painful. You know, there wasn't a whole lot I had to uh, get rid of. I would say that for vacations, because um, my family, we do think vacations are very important because I grew up um, with, in my family, it was my sister, my brother, uh, myself and my, uh, my dad and my mom. And um, they divorced when we were pretty young. I think I was about six years old. But even in that time, like, we've never had a family vacation. So family vacations, when I got married and I had my own family, was very important to me. It was a tradition that I definitely wanted to have with my family. So during that time, we were when we were saving and paying down debt, we would still do vacations, but they would be more localized vacations, Right. I remember we took a, we spent a few days in downtown Atlanta. We booked a hotel down there and just, you know, cause we're, I'm in the city of Atlanta. So we um, booked a hotel down there to part, you know, the kids partake in the pool and all that and do things like that. Or maybe we'll go to a closer state, maybe Tennessee or something closer. Um, but it wasn't really until we paid off all the debt that we kind of, started taking these really big trips <laughs> later on. And that's the thing. Um, and I, I love, I love the story and, you know, you were still able to accomplish taking vacations, but you just did it in a more controlled way. Still mm -hmm. had great memories. Mm -hmm. Um, but your goal was to attack your debt mm -hmm. and now you're able to have bigger vacations and you never have to worry about that debt because the thing is the debt is, it's going to stick with you. Yep. You know, so if you just keep paying minimum payments and putting a Band-Aid on it, you're never really able to thrive. Yeah. So, you know, on, on my social media, sometimes I see a lot of people that they always have that little, oh, I'm at the airport and they're, <laughs> they're flying all across the country. And, you know, I'm not trying to be nosy, but I just wonder, like, how are they able to do this? You know, 
I, you know, my wife and I, we, we got great corporate careers. We got businesses. We don't do this. You know right. what I'm saying? So I just always wonder how it happens. And without knowing the ins and outs of what they're doing, my, I, I suspect that a lot of people are just using credit. Yeah. They're Absolutely. just using credit. Absolutely. So you're, it sounds like the way you actually got through that short phase of, you know, taking local trips or maybe not splurging on certain things is that you became content. You were content with certain items and based off your upbringing, it was fine with you. Do you run into uh, any of your clients or people that you mentor or coach? Do you give them some best practices to kind of help them with that kind of YOLO mentality that you only live once and, you know, this abundance mindset that, you know, you got to do it now or never. Like, how do you, how do we break through that to get people to understand that this short-term sacrifice is really ultimately to help you live in abundance? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the client, right? So if I have um, a client that's, you know, I guess middle-aged, whatever, uh, in that window and they have kids uh, going off to college or that are in college. And so part of the reason they're coming to me it's because they are they are struggling financially, mainly because of student loans, right? Mm. So that's why they're even coming to me. So I the way that I think I kind of grasp them and help them understand you want to get out of this debt is I always tell them, do you want your child to be in your situation, right? You graduated college probably 30, 40 years ago, and you're still trying to pay back student loan debt from 30, 40 years ago. Do you not understand that you're setting your child up to be in the exact same situation that you're in now, right? They're going to graduate from college and they're going to have, you know, this enormous amount of debt or what have you. So I, that that's one way, I guess you can say to kind of um, reach them to help them understand how important this is. Some people, I just simply give them my story, right? I grew up low income. I mean, my mom, you know, she had to get assistance from the government to help take care of us. Um, you don't want the government controlling your life because that's pretty much what it is when you have to depend on them. You, you just want to take a different route. And that gets a lot of people's uh, attention as well. So it's different things, different strokes for different folks, like they say, but it just depends on who I'm speaking to. Um, if I'm speaking to a younger person, you know, um, someone maybe in their early 20s, it's I'm already applauding that they're even a client, right? Because that means that they are forward thinking. So it doesn't take a lot to convince them, right? Because they came to me. <laughs> <laughs> at at such a young age, they're in that they're already thinking building wealth, right? So it's not it doesn't take a lot to convince that age group. It's just the older community. Um, but when we dig in and see where those those funds are going, sometimes they you know they're embarrassed or what have. You. And I'm like, yeah. it is what it is. We're just trying to get out of the cycle. Exactly. So talk to us about your book. So your book came out, did it come out last year or 2023 or 2022? It actually came out 2020. Um, 2020. Okay. At the height of COVID is when I wrote the book. It was the end of 2020. 
um, that the book came out. And I wrote the book because I would do these speaking engagements all the time. I would get, you know, booked to do these speaking engagements. And, you know, at the end, when I have the opportunity for the attendees to ask questions, there would always be someone that would raise their hand and say, where can I find your book? And I was like, I don't have a book. <laughs> I I was like, I don't want to, you know, have to tell individuals that anymore, you know, that I don't have a book. So interestingly enough, uh, while I was thinking about this, COVID happened. So no longer am I taking the kids, dropping the kids off at school and bringing them back home and taking them to football, practice, baseball, soccer. I'm not doing any of that stuff anymore because everything is pretty much shut down. So it just dawned on me, you know, this is the perfect time to pen a book. So I sat down and I just wrote a book about my journey. I talk about um, my personal journey, you know, how I grew up and what that was like. And then I give people the steps that I took to get myself um, out of that, because that's why, you know, I um, am able. That's why I have credibility. Right. And telling this story is because I, too, was in debt. I mean, I was in $75,000 worth of it. That wasn't including my mortgage. So I had debt too. So I know all too well the struggle. I know what it feels like. I know that the weight that it is. I know how it makes, how you feel shackled. I know, you know, going to bed at night, hoping that that, that check is in the mailbox when I get up in the morning. And where if I can help somebody not have to go through that, or if you're going through that, share with them how you can get out of that. Like I'm all in and doing that. So that's really what my book is about. A journey to financial fortitude. And then here, my little, my subtopics, how I paid off $75,000, went to college debt-free and paid off my mortgage. So that's my book. And so I just love sharing my story because I think that sometimes people, they hear you say you can get out of debt and these different things, but what they don't understand, uh, but they don't have somebody that that can relate, right? And and I'm definitely relatable to a lot of people, not just because I grew up income low income, and there are a lot of people that grew up low income, but just because a lot of people have been in debt, a lot of people are in debt, and so was I. We'll be back after a quick break. If you enjoy the show and would love to be a supporter, head to the episode description and click the link so that you can become a supporter of the show. For as low as $3 a month with no commitment and cancel any time, you can contribute to the success of the show and making sure it's sustainable for years to come. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much. Back to the episode. Now that you're out of debt, I mean... (laughs) Describe a little bit, because that journey through getting um, your debt under control, a lot of people will probably dread that, you know. But what do you feel today? Like, what what are some uh, descriptors of how you feel knowing that you don't have this debt on you in your family? Um, Freedom. Just that freedom alone. Um, Peace. Peace of mind. Um, You know, I, I mean, I love my job. And I want to have my job as long as I want to have my job. But God forbid if something happens and I go into the office and I'm told I don't have a job anymore, 
I don't have to think about if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage. Right. Um, So that's that's peace. You know, that's that's freedom. So uh, it's a very freeing experience. It's gratifying. It's also humbling, too, because once you don't have debt, you realize you're in you're in another class. Right. You're you're in a different class um, because most people have debt. Most uh, 76 percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. That is a lot of people. <laughs> I, I believe the last uh, I think it's 55 percent of people who are six figures live paycheck to paycheck. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's. A misconception people have like, hey, you know, if I just make more money, uh, I'll be okay. But what happens is people fall into the trap of I make more. So now my lifestyle creeps up as well because I'm a director now. I have to have a BMW. I have to have 8,000 square feet. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. you start building a life to try to match your salary. And what ultimately happens is that you're not getting forward. You just you just have nicer stuff. Yeah. And stuff means debt is almost uh, synonymous a lot of times. Yeah. And what I love that you said as far as that freedom and your story about going into the office, you love your job. But, you know, if something were to happen, you're not going to be financially crushed based off what this corporation decides to do. Yeah. And. That's why I always tell people like, hey, you you have to tackle your debt. You have to live off less. And you, because you don't want to be in a position to where someone can just give you a pink slip and you just crush. Yep. Um, I had a video on my page and um, got a lot of comments because I pretty much said that, you know, when people are worried about layoffs, it's typically a reflection of their financial status. It's not because... Oh my goodness, I love my job. You love your job, but you're probably in the minority. Most people are there to just truly pay their bills and survive. Right. And it's so freeing when you know that you're here, but financially, if something happens, it's not going to, you know, throw you up for a loop. Right. So I always tell people with a job, make sure that you're obtaining transferable skills yeah. because a job is a, it's an exchange. You exchange your time, your skills and experience for your pay. Yeah. Most people lean into their job and they act like, you know, they're so dependent to it. And if the job takes this away from me, I can't survive. But I think that's a mindset that you have to change because if this company doesn't want you company B, that means that same skill set will want you and they'll pay you for it. Absolutely. So you grow your skills, live, live within your means and tackle the debt. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really key. Yeah. It's it's all about it's all about uh behavior at the end of the day. Um and you know, I I I use the word discipline um, because that is what it is. It's behavior. You know, are you stopping every morning at Starbucks? You know, I, I always ask my 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 adult clients, are you still funding your kids' cell phone bill? And usually it's yes. You know why? They're an adult. They have a job. <laughs> why are you funding their cell phone bill? But you're asking me, how can I get out of this debt that I've accumulated? There are just so many little things that you're doing. You know, why in 2024 are you paying $300 for cable? 
Who does that? <laughs> so people, I think people know the answer and maybe they're hoping that, you know, an expert like yourself can come in and maybe, uh, you know, soften it up a little bit, but it sounds like you give it to them straight. Oh, you yeah. know, this is what it is. And ultimately you're going to have to make these decisions to be disciplined, yeah. you know, and everyone has the ability to be disciplined. We just use it in different areas. Yeah. You know, you got the people that might be terrible with money, but they got a six pack and, you know, big biceps because they're disciplined with their eating and disciplined yeah. with their exercise. So we can do it. We all can do it. But you just really got to lean into it because I do think that the economy is just so shaky um, right now and might be for the foreseeable future. <clears throat> and what I want people to do is just get a, a grip of their finances so that they can, you know, survive, you know, this inflation, inflation is not new. You know, right. people talk about inflation now because they start, they feel it, mm -hmm. you know, that's the difference yep. and feeling it may not change over time because these, you know, these assets are going to continue to grow. So you have to be in position to survive these storms, but also help build your wealth. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be my next question. Uh, you talk, We talked a lot about, about debt. Mm -hmm. Do you talk to your clients about actually, you know, building wealth? Because, you know, you pay down your debt, but that next layer, do you go into wealth management at all? Yeah, so that is really for my clients that are coming to me because they don't have so much debt, right? I have a few clients that don't have, you know, $100,000 worth of student loan debt that they're trying to get out of, or maybe they have $20,000 more to go to pay off their mortgage or whatever. So those conversations we're definitely having with those individuals that are closer to getting the debt paid off. I talk in generalities around wealth building, but I do try to focus the conversation on getting the rid of this debt, right? And, and when I say I talk in generalities, it's more about don't you want to get to the wealth building point? Because as long as you have debt, you're not really saving, you know? And I have a lot of people that tell me, well, I have uh, $20,000 worth of debt, but I have $40,000 in the bank, uh, really? Yeah, that don't make sense. Just, it's just like that. Just move it over here. <laughs> and then in no time, you'll have be back at that 40K, right? Because you would have gotten rid of this debt. You would get um, out of your, your, your hair. So my wealth building conversations are, are, are somewhat limited. It just depends. Every client is different. Depends on where they are in their journey. Um, you know, I have clients sometimes that have, uh, gained an inheritance and right and trying to figure out what yeah. to do with that and it's like pay off your debt yeah. <laughs> you got you, you have it now this is what you've been we talk about all the time what would you do if you, you know win the lottery right we always used to ask our friends that we still do right what would you right. do do that thing um, with the money but I try to reserve a lot of commentary to my clients that are trying to get out of debt um, about, you know, wealth building and investing because I don't think that it's, I think it's okay to invest, but I just think you should be more focused on getting that debt out of your hair uh, before you really start trying to put all this money over here into investing. Like, let's get the debt off the table and then we can invest more. We'll be back after a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this episode, so I'm going to keep it brief. 
and just take a quick break to let you know about my coaching services. So whether you're looking to dive deeper into real estate investing, get a firm grip on your personal finances, or take your career to new heights, I just want to let you know I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Our one-on-one coaching sessions will be tailored just for you and truly just helping you reach your fullest potential. So when you're ready to actually take your dreams and make them a reality, schedule a coaching session with me today. Head over to MosesTheMentor.com and click on the Book Me button on the top right. You'll get right to my scheduling page and we can get you on the books. And I look forward to talking to you, man. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I agree with that. I know it's not always a popular opinion, uh, no, no. but um, I agree with it because, you know, right now my investment stage is I'm in rental properties. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a great system. I'm doing mm-hmm. well. But mm-hmm. when you first building your portfolio, you're not making money. You're right. spending money. You need to be in a position to handle unexpected expenses. Yes. So if you have a bunch of debt, you can't really tackle that. Like, or you could, but you just put yourself in more debt. Right. So what you, for me, like if someone called and said, hey, I had a, uh, got a leaky roof, I'm not losing sleep because I'm not saddled with this consumer debt. Exactly. You know, it's really to put yourself in position to win. Get rid of this bad debt and go ahead and then move into the wealth building part. Yeah. Just made me think of another question. Like, do you consider uh, there's folks that say you have good debt and you have bad debt. Do you believe that any debt is good? Actually, I think I have a statement about that in my book. Like I hear people say that there is good debt and there's bad debt. Uh, And I said, the last time I checked, you had to pay, you had to pay it off. (laughs) It doesn't matter, right? If it's good or bad. Uh, So I don't know if I have a, a an opinion per se about good debt versus bad debt because of how I'm built. Um, it's just debt to me, right? I don't care if it's student loan. I don't care if it's mortgage. I don't care if it's a car or whatever. In my mind, I have to get rid of it. Like I got to pay it off. I got to get it from under me. So, um, but I, I mean, you know, can you say student loan is good debt? I guess, you know, you can, if I had to put things in a category, you know, I have stories for that too, right? I went to college debt-free, so I'm not necessarily an advocate of student loan. So, I mean, I know that's a completely different conversation to dive into, but a mortgage means, yes, I have a place to stay. I do, I never um, advise anyone to move out of their home or whatever. Now I've advised people to downsize, right? Cars and houses. Like you might need to downsize. You can't really afford this after we look through your, your expenses. But I I just, I I don't tag it with good or bad. I just, to me, it just all looks the same and it all feels the same. same. (laughs) Like for me, like I know we, we started with, you know, Dave Ramsey, right? So Dave Mm -hmm. Ramsey, I definitely uh, watched him at first, but Mm -hmm. I pivoted, uh, after the debt snowball, I started uh, tapping into Kiyosaki a little bit more, learning yeah. about, you know, just wealth building. So mm-hmm. it's they both have uh, extremes. So yeah. What I would suggest to people is that you have to find 
that balance and be okay to say, okay, I can take a piece from Moses, like piece from Renee, a piece from Dave Ramsey yeah. and really find a good blend of something that you can apply your discipline and ultimately drive down debt. Yes. You know, that's just pretty much it. If it's bad or good, but the way I look at debt is any consumer debt, I want it off. What would you say as far as, you know, when people read your book, what are they going to come away with? When when people finish reading my book, I want them to feel like I can do this. Right. Um, that's the number one uh, takeaway, because um, I've heard people say it. I've seen people live it. They feel like I'm in this class where everybody's not meant to be here. I look at people that 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 feel like I'm not supposed to be here, right? Like, how did you get there? And I want every, I want people to know that here in America, you can do this. You, it's definitely a paradigm shift. It's a mindset change. It's discipline. It's hard work, but it's absolutely doable. Like, I, I just don't want people to feel like they're in a position where they can't do this. And there's so many people that have, you know, maybe $10,000 worth of consumer debt. That's just not a big number. I mean, you, that that's not a big number, really. You can find odd jobs. You can sell stuff. You can do a lot of things to quickly get rid of $10,000 worth of debt. But people don't think that. And something we were talking about earlier is like, how are people just okay with being in debt? And I think the answer is this because society tells them that they're okay. And if the majority of people are in debt and it's a small minority that are not, then you feel like you're on the right side when you're with the majority. I'm not in the majority, <laughs> but but I'm good. Right? Right. I'm okay with that. Um, and people can't make me feel otherwise. And so, you know, and reading my book, that's why I think it's just so very important in my book to tell my story. That was really why I wrote the book. Um, you know, in addition to just people asking me about it is people need to know my story. Cause I think people thought I had some background shenanigans or something going on to get this. I'm like, no, I didn't win the lottery. I mean, my I family's rich. not rich, you know, yeah. I worked hard and I did this and you can do the exact same. Like, I'm not, I'm not superior to you. You know, some of you, I grew up next door to you, right? So why am I thriving in this space and you're not? Um, and it's simply because society tells you that you should be this way. I mean, we see the commercials all the time for the different products, cars. You, well, They do like seven year, do you know they do like seven year car loans now? Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. that's that's just insanity to me. <laughs> Seven year car loans. I'm hearing 40 year mortgages is on the way. You know, it's it's definitely a society set up to use that and not own anything. Yeah. You know, too. You know, that's a big one. So um, what would you say? Because um, I have a passion for, you know, teaching the younger generation on how to actually become financially free and just basic like financial education, the stuff that you're not going to hear in, in school, unfortunately. Right. Mm -hmm. 
What do you, I know you mentioned that you had some clients that were young and you, you really applaud them for coming to you. What would you say is a way that we can, you know, collectively get in front of this, this generation to let them know about financial education? So I don't know if you're aware, but last year, actually, for the state of Georgia, um, Governor Kemp uh, passed the law where every high school student um, has to complete a personal finance class. So that's very new um, and it's on the horizon. So I think it's going to take them a minute to kind of tweak it and get it right. So it's going to be put right in front of you, right? The steps you would need to go through to be financially astute or what have you. So the conversation is starting in school. So I think that that's good. Um, and that's a way collectively that we could tackle it. I also think that, you know, showing up at these different events, like I try to get in wherever I can, whether it be a career fair, job fair, um, college fair or what have you, to have these conversations with students to help them understand about all of this, you know, that, that I think, you know, when Obama was in office, he passed a law where the people could not be, uh, you know, on the campuses like they were in, in our day, giving out the, giving out the pretty much giving out credit cards, right? Yeah, <laughs> if right. you, you get this t-shirt, if you sign this application, or you get this pretty, this nice yeah. pen, if you sign this application. So I think things like that and help. The goals that I want to have is just making it relatable, um, and that's the reason why I invited you on the show, you know, um, bringing people on that are relatable, that can share their their journey. Right. Mm -hmm. And where people could say, man, you know, if I just lean in a little bit in this area, I can experience those things that she's talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Another thing that I know that you have a lot of experience on that I want to ask you to touch on is just student loans. Like, you know, how to go to college at a lower Cost, you know, I'm sure you have your services on where people can reach out to you. But what advice can you give us? Um, some high level advice about funding college and not having to go into uh, a high state of debt to just get an education. So I think there's several factors. One is choosing a school that you can afford, right? Um, a lot of our scholars they're they want to go to the school that mom went to or the school that dad went to or like my son who he's only in 10th grade, but he's already like, I can't, I don't want to go to school in the state of Georgia. Like, like I'm, I don't want to go to school here. Like I want to go to school somewhere else. So first I think educating our kids on um, the benefit of going to school locally, even starting out your career and maybe at a not so big and popular school. Um, like in the state of Georgia, if you go to say like a, a Georgia perimeter college, um, if you go to any school in the state of Georgia and what they call the Georgia university system, 100% of your credits transfer when you're ready to go to that bigger school. So why not pay the lesser amount for your credits? And, and I've heard podcasts where professors, they teach in the daytime at the big popular school, they teach at the night and nighttime and the community college, same material, same course. You just pay 90 percent more at the popular college. So exactly. that's a way to tackle that. 
And then last but certainly not least are scholarships. Um, there are a plethora of scholarships out here. Uh, last time I did my research, I think it was 2018, $3.6 billion left on the table in scholarship funds because um, the scholarships were there, but the students didn't apply for them. So uh, that is also key. Um, I remember my senior year of com, and I, I talk about it in my book, where I applied for a scholarship my senior year in college, and I won that scholarship. And when they called to inform me that I won the scholarship, they told me I won because I, they told me I won by default because no one else applied for it. So, <laughs> I mean, and that's wow. just my story. So, in every semester, I would win at least five scholarships because I would apply for so many. You know, it's kind of like the lottery. If you don't put your name in the hat, there's no way that it's going to come out. Right. So right. get your name in the hat, you know, and that's part of you kind of alluded to some of what I do with helping my clients find scholarship fund. You know, I tell scholars, I tell parents, I sit here, I spend a lot of time, you know, coming back to you with the list of these scholarships that you're el eligible for. But it means nothing if you don't apply for them. You have to take the time and apply for them. And again, I go back to even when we were talking about debt and getting out of debt, just like that's discipline and a lot of work. So is applying for scholarships. That 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 is a lot of work. Um, it takes a lot of energy. Um, and you know, I tell scholars spend maybe two hours a week just applying for scholarships. Um, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. It's going so to be worth it. That's absolutely a way to lessen your costs. And that was how I was able to go to college um, debt free. And all scholarships, a lot of scholarships, I should say, are not. Uh, GPA dependent. They don't care what your G is. Now you'll find a lot that are concerned about your extracurricular activities, your service in the community, your leadership, um, but they don't all require you to have a three point whatever GPA. Some of them don't even take GPAs into consideration. Um, but the thing is going out there and actually finding them and applying for them. That's great. And, you know, when students uh, graduate college and then they have that student loan debt hovering above them. It's hard to get your adult life started off when you got 50 plus thousand dollars of student loan debt, you know, waiting for you. Yeah. And student loan debt, it can't even be wiped out in bankruptcy. Like it's just, it's yours. It's going to follow it, so. you all the way to your grave. And, um, and even, when you're in the grave, they're going to come after your 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 kids <laughs> to try to get it. That's what, wow. Uh, what's going to be, you know, financial fortitude 2.0 plus? Uh, what can we look forward to? <laughs> and another thing, too, that I do with my company is I do speaking engagements. So um, I am booked, you know, churches, organizations, youth groups, whatever, to come and speak to students, adults, whomever. Um, so I think 2.0 is really getting me on a bigger stage with my speaking engagements. Also, hopefully at some point I'll get to enough capital where I could hire others 
to do like the scholarship searches because that is a task and an undertaking in itself. Like my husband's like, yeah. every year I say, you know what? I need to go up on my prices. I need to go up on my prices with the scholarship search stuff. And he's like, you say that every year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I go up every year, but they, you know, it just, it never stops. It, it they, they it, sure. you know, the students keep coming. I mean, and that's really the most, the bigger part of what I do. Like that's where most of my business come through is those scholarship searches because people want that free money, which I really like that, you know, more people are understanding that, you know, their kids can go to college. I'm debt free and the money's out there. They just, you know, haven't found it. You know, definitely. um, I'm looking forward to see your growth. So what final thoughts or advice would you like to share with the audience and also let us know uh, how we can actually find you, like your website and your social media. Yeah, I think uh, final advice I think I would like to share is that uh, believe in you. Just please don't think that this journey of financial freedom is just siloed to one certain group of people. It's just absolutely not true. And I'm living proof of that. So I think that's what I would want to leave folks with. Um, as far as where people can reach me or find me, my social media um, for Facebook, it's Financial Fortitude LLC. Um, again, that's Financial Fortitude LLC. My Instagram handle is F Fortitude LLC, F Fortitude LLC. And I also have a LinkedIn, um, which is Financial Fortitude LLC. So it's the same pretty much on all of my um, platforms. So that's the best way to find me. And I also have a website where, where, that will take you to the social media um, links, which is um, www.financialfortitudellc.com. And I'll make sure to put all that information in the show notes. It sounds like you got great branding across the board, so it should be easy to find you. Uh, but I'll make sure that it's in, in the notes for everybody. So again, thank you so much for joining the show. I really appreciate you coming on and hopefully you come back uh, when you got your next book or bigger speaking engagement so we can learn more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So Renee, thank you again for sharing your wealth of knowledge and your inspiring story with us. And to my listeners, remember to check out MosesTheMentor.com for more empowering content And make sure to subscribe to Moses the Mentor on YouTube. So stay focused on your financial goals. And until next time, keep thriving. Let's go. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Money Focus Podcast. And if you're a visual person, I have great news for you. You can head over to YouTube and head to my channel, Moses the Mentor, and you'll find every single episode there to watch. You can also look in the description of this video for a link. But again, you can watch this full episode on YouTube, Moses the Mentor. Check me out.